Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. So Real Salt Lake opens up their home schedule coming up tomorrow. You'll hear it right here on The Zone, but we suggest you buy tickets and get out there and enjoy what should be a fun atmosphere Joining us now, one of our favorites, Trey Fitzgerald. Kind enough to hang out with us. Trey, how you doing? Hey, Trey. I'm great, guy. Hey, uh, so uh, I, I wish I could be there tomorrow. Uh, I was looking forward to being at the game. I'm down here at the Mountain West Tournament. Uh, Utah State beat somebody last night to advance to the semis. I, I, I'm kind of losing oh, track. Boy. Oh, that was. Oh, no, 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 no. That it was, was New Mexico. It was, a team, it was a team that I think was the last undefeated team in the country. That has fallen on some hard times in the uh, Patino era. So, good for yeah. Utah State. Yeah. <laughs> Los, Los Lobos are Los Losers. So. Oh, man. I tell you what, Mashburn and House, they're fun to watch, though. They are. No, they're, they're uh, running and gunning, and uh, they've breathed life in, back into the program. So, maybe next year. <laughs> Trey, Trey, did you love your time there? So I grew up in Albuquerque, but I never actually went to school there. But, you know, the Lobo football and basketball is your NFL and your NBA in a city like Albuquerque. So uh, from from going to the pit when I was six years old onwards, it was just like the thrill of a lifetime to go watch uh, Kenny Thomas and some of those old uh, really good uh, – Whack in Mountain West, uh, New Mexico teams. You've been, a, you've had the opportunity to pretty much go around the world now at this point in your life. And I, Lloyd and I continue to yell at Scotty until we're blue in the face that it is some of the best food in the entire world in Albuquerque. Going down to Old Town and sitting in some of those old school places and just having a great meal. You're not going to beat the environment. You're not going to beat the food. Hey, the look no. the Jap- Japanese steakhouse. I went down there with Scotty. Awesome. He went to a Sipanyaki when he, when he was Go there. Go get your Trey. sopapilla. <laughs> you Dude, sopapillas. If oh, they're they're amazing. You throw on uh, you throw on some green chili and some cheddar cheese and oh. then, uh, whatever protein you want. Maybe Christmas style, a little red, world. a little red, a little green. Look at you with the local nomenclature from Albuquerque. That's amazing. 
<laughs> I'll take a Christmas style. I love it. Uh, Trey, I've had an opportunity to eat a couple times down there, but we can't get Scotty to do anything no. but a tippanyaki. Okay, it's just because it was the closest thing to the hotel, and Lloyd gave me a bunch of restaurants, but they were all like $40 Uber rides, and I'm like, I'm not blowing the per diem on that. I'm just, you know, there's something that I can just walk across the street, and you know what? The dude was uh, flipping shrimp. I caught it in my mouth. It was great. It was a fun experience, so I I have no complaints, yeah. (laughs) Well, the the hard thing there, too, and, you know, Scotty can't disappear for 10 minutes in the middle of a three-hour broadcast, so you better know what you're putting in. And where it's coming from, and sometimes <laughs> yeah. that uh, that spicy stuff will get you. That's all I'm saying. Excellent expecting. point. You don't want to walk in with some. Don't give him an excuse, uh, Trey. Don't do this. <laughs> <Unpredictable>. <laughs> it's great to hear your voice, Trey. How you been, man? How's life? Oh man, life is good. I'm glad to be back in Utah. I'm glad to be back over here at uh, at RSL, and uh, the club is in great hands with Ryan Smith, as you guys know, and David Blitzer, and uh, we're going to have a packed house here in Sandy at America First Field tomorrow to kick off season 19, if you guys can believe that, for Major League Soccer in Utah. Were you were you there day one? I mean, uh, how soon were I you was. part of the original RSL? I, I, I kind of remember if that, that was the, being the yeah. case. No, day one, um, I had never, even though I grew up in New Mexico, went to school in Colorado, had family in Arizona, I had never been to Utah before Dave Checkett said, hey, we're starting a team, why don't you come out here? And I just fell in love with the mountains and the people, and this is home now, you know. And um, I was there day one, and I was the guy that had the unfortunate task of trying to teach Ryan Hatch soccer. <laughs> and uh, and But because of our mutual uh, Denver Broncos and San Francisco Giants love, uh, we found a common ground. And he actually called games, you guys remember, for the old 1280 back in the day uh, as we got off the ground. and. You know, you guys have been uh, integral to, to teaching this community, uh, you know, what a second pro sports team uh, can mean. And obviously this place has changed so, so much over a generation. Um, it's grown in volume. It's grown in diversity. And, uh, and, and other teams, when they come to Salt Lake, they're surprised because we break a lot of stereotypes that people have about Utah and uh, – they love the the views here from our stadium. They love the snow-capped mountains, and and they hate uh, playing in front of a, our very, very raucous fans. So, you know, we're trying to kind of recreate and build off of, of what the Jazz have built here. Well, Scotty and I fist-pumped, uh, and I when he told me the news that we were getting RSL back as a partner and we'd be the flagship, both he and I were here fist-pumping because we knew we got to work with you more. And we obviously know the ownership group. We're both very close with John Kimball. And it's the perfect fit for Scotty and I. We're excited to be back and be a part of this. And can't wait. And I also want to mention that it's great people like you and great people like John Kimball that provide the patience and the knowledge for the sport that bring more people to the game and fill that stadium. And that's what Scotty and I hope to do. Just generate a little bit more interest, a little bit more insight, and a little bit more passion so people can get out there to these games. And tomorrow is your first opportunity of the season. How excited are you for home opener coming up tomorrow? Yeah, I, th- I think everybody's uh, excited just to get going again. You know, it's we had a longer off season than normal because of the World Cup being in uh, November and December over in Qatar, and so that that kind of squeezed last year's calendar. 
and uh, we're ready to get at it. And, you know, Austin was the last team we played in the playoffs last year. We were up 2 nothing after 15 minutes, got a red card. They got a late goal, and we lost in penalty kicks. So I guess officially it goes down as a tie, but it really just feels like a gut punch. And the guys are ready uh, to see Austin again. They're ready to be back on uh, the grass here at, uh, at America First Field. And, uh, you know, we did get one win on the turf up in Vancouver. Uh, we really struggled last week on the turf in Seattle. Seattle is playing uh, like a buzzsaw in midseason form in week two. So we got a lot to prove, a lot of chips on our shoulder, as we always do, as, a, uh, as, a, as kind of the little engine that could or as a Utah team. But I really appreciate what you said about John. He's been uh, amazing in terms of uh, healing the people in this organization and coming out of uh, the old ownership to being a league-run team for 18 months. And now we feel like we've found the two best owners in the world in, in Ryan Smith and David Blitzer. And now it's like, okay, how, how are we going to take this thing uh, to new heights? And, and look, we, we are not so arrogant to think that everybody here should know everything there is to know about soccer. And, uh, you know, as, as I've told you guys multiple times, come to a game. I'll let you watch from the sidelines for 45 or 90 minutes, and you can see the speed and the strength and the athleticism that um, historically or stereotypically has not been, uh, you know, always connected with soccer. But MLS has made massive, massive strides, and uh, the quality of play just grows exponentially every year. And uh, and as our, our coach and our owner uh, told a, a group of fans, and we had kind of a town hall the other night, you know, the fans are our 12th man, and it sounds like a cliche, but it, it really is, uh, is true. And I think you're going to see uh, the guys just come out flying in front of uh, 20, 21,000 people here tomorrow. So, again, I, I, know, I don't know if people actually are too interested in this, but I'm a lawn nerd, so I'm fascinated. I know what my lawn looks like, and it's nowhere near able to have anybody <laughs> run on it. What kind of with the winter the way that's been? How much preparation has gone on behind the scenes to make sure these guys can get out on a pitch and actually play some soccer? Well, next week I'm going to get you guys on with uh, our, our our grounds guy. His name's Dan Farns. He's kind of a Twitter superstar. He's known as the Grass Whisperer, and he uh, he did something with David James that ran on last night's uh, news over there, but. He uh, had a grow tarp on that field for the last five months since installing a completely new uh, 120 by 80 grass field as soon as our season ended uh, last October. So the first time that that green grass saw the light of day was this morning at about 7 a.m. It's probably not as green as, as it will be here in a couple months once we get some more sunshine, but... It's greener than anything else anybody has, anybody's seen over the last few months. Um, it took him and his crew a couple weeks to get all the snow off of the field before they were able to pull this tarp up. But, man, it was, uh, it was a thing of beauty to see, uh, see such a big uh, patch of green grass. The, the guys uh, just got done training on it about an hour ago, and, uh, and we're going we're gonna to be able to uh, show people what, what real soccer looks like because it's just hard watching grass on an artificial surface sometimes. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. 
Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. All right, Trey, every time you come on, and I'm hoping that we make this a regular because I love the information that you're able to put out there for people, I am going to make it a simplified question and answer period of the game of soccer for people. Um, I know that you didn't get the result that you were looking for against Seattle. You're on the road, and... I was looking at the stats, and I see 19 shots by Seattle to 7 shots from Salt Lake and 8 shots on goal compared to 2 shots on goal from Salt Lake. What is the difference between shots and shots on goal? So um, a shot is basically any kind of attempt at goal. So if it goes high, if it goes wide, um, if it – slices out for a for a throw in um those are just counted as shots shots on goal are shots that either score or shots that are saved by the goalkeeper or as we saw last week in seattle a shot that was cleared off the goal line by a by a defender so seattle uh they put a ton of pressure on us we were suffocated we were under it they dictated the tempo they pummeled us um, you know, I think the eye test might say that they could have won four or five nothing instead of just two nothing. But our goalkeeper Zach McMath, who you guys will get to know, came up big. Uh, Justin Glad, who came up through our academy, he's still only twenty five. It's amazing. He's he's been in our club ten years. He had a pretty dramatic uh, goal line clearance about fifteen minutes in to kind of keep us in the game. So obviously not the result we want, but. Seattle won the CONCACAF Champions League last year. They were the first MLS team to do that. They played uh, some big-name teams over in Morocco in the Club World Cup uh, a few weeks ago. So they're, they are in midseason form because they've had uh, competitive games in January and February that the rest of us uh, didn't have. So we just ran into a buzzsaw. They had 30,000 there up there in the Seahawks uh, stadium. So uh, it's a tough atmosphere, but we had won four previous games against them. So uh, they were, they were like, you know, Salt Lake's our little bogey team. So we got to, we got to redouble our efforts and they came out and, you know, it was competitive, but not aesthetic and not ideal for us. Uh, I think you're going to see a much more brave as Pablo Mastroeni likes to say, and a much more aggressive Real Salt Lake tomorrow against Austin. What is your outlook on this team? What are your expectations? I mean, I know every year is a little bit different, and, and every team is a little bit different, but uh, you guys fought like crazy, and I know circumstances weren't great uh, over the last couple of years for this team, but uh, you guys fought like crazy last year. What what are your hopes and, and, and expectations for this season? Yeah, so each of the last two years, as you guys probably remember, we were able to kind of squeeze in the playoffs on the last day of the season. It's dramatic. It's fun. Um, two years ago, we were able to kind of go on a nice little playoff run to get to the uh, conference final. Last year, you know, we crashed out in the first playoff round. But really the expectation this year is to reward our fans with a home playoff game. And uh, we haven't done that since 2019. And uh, now 
the last few years, you had to be top four in your conference to guarantee a home playoff game. MLS did just announce a, a tweak to the uh, postseason format. So um, if you're the top nine, you'll get into the playoffs. There's a play-in game. It's very much kind of an NBA um, structure now for the postseason. So we just need to be basically uh, top eight to get uh, to get a play or top seven, I should say, because the eight nine is that playoff game. So if we're top seven, we get a home playoff game. But look, I think the core of the team is returning. Um, I think everybody in the locker room feels like we have the talent to be top four or five in the West. Um, soccer, as you guys know, has like a transfer window so in the summer maybe we go out and add a couple more difference makers a couple more pieces whatever we feel like we need in that roster and uh and again the goal is to have some home playoff games and and go on a deep playoff run bring some uh some trophies back to salt lake which is something we haven't done since 2009 um and there's a couple other tournaments besides just the league and the playoffs we've got open cup there's a new tournament called the League's Cup where MLS teams are playing uh, Mexican teams in a real competition, not like some exhibition made-for-TV thing like they've tried in the past. So uh, there is a lot of hardware kind of at play, and uh, Ryan Smith and David Blitzer are, are doing everything they can to work with Pablo Mastroeni, Elliot Fall, John Kimball, and everybody else here to, uh, to try to make some of these things happen. So, Trey, the last time you and I worked together and and spent a lot of time with each other goes back to the, some of the heydays of RSL where you had Javi and Nikki and Kyle and some of the greats. And sure. these guys were on constant national duty rotation. And I remember that just really sticking in my craw a little bit because, you know, they'd <laughs> miss a match here and there. And I remember hopping yeah. on air and having to talk about, yeah, Nikki's out for this or Kyle's out for this. Are there guys on this current RSL roster that may miss some rotations because of national duty responsibilities? Um, the answer to your question is yes and no. And and the yes is, you know, we've got, we've got several guys that do play for their national teams. We've got Diego Luna that plays for the U.S. under-20 team. They have a World Cup this summer, so he will miss time. Um, we've got other guys. Jefferson Savarino, who's our most dynamic attacking player, represents Venezuela. Brian Ojeda, another uh, dynamic midfielder, represents uh, Paraguay. Justin Miram actually plays for Iraq. Hmm. But a sign of how the league has kind of grown up in the last five or ten years is those FIFA international breaks where guys are going off to their national teams, we generally do not have a major league soccer uh, game during most of those weekends. So you kind of, there's a little more respect now between the league and the international calendar, which it puts a lot of pressure on the players, but it, it, it's much better uh, for us as fans to know that we're going to have our guys nine times out of 10. You know, the NBA's been toying, and I think Adam Silver is really, really wants to do this. Um, and I think eventually it will happen, but they want kind of a mid-season, uh, in-season tournament, you know, outside of the regular season, something that I know uh, that is pretty frequent in the soccer world. Is that something that you've enjoyed? Is it something that NBA fans, I think, will eventually get on board with as a kind of a secondary part of, of, of a long season? Yeah, I think it kind of depends what's at stake because if it's worth it for the teams and the players 
uh, for something besides just money, then maybe the fans will grow and buy into it. So, like, when I bring up the U.S. Open Cup, this is a tournament that's been going on for 105 years. And um, you and me and, and Lloyd and DJ and PK, like, we could put together a team and enter the Open Cup. And if we win enough of these, like, games against other amateur teams and progress through the tournament, we knock off some professional teams, like, we could win that, right? But uh, so the MLS teams enter later in the tournament, third round. And um, what is at stake in that tournament is a berth into the old CONCACAF Champions League, which is the best teams, the trophy winners from all over North America, Central America, and the Caribbean. And then if you win that, you get to go to the Club World Cup and you play Real Madrid or Liverpool or Man U or whoever, uh, you know, for something that matters. Yes, money is there and it matters, but it's prestige, it's hardware, it's international television exposure. So if, if, if Adam Silver, who I think is a great commissioner in the NBA, create whatever that tournament is, tournament is it's like, okay, what does this mean other than just, you know, giving, um, uh, I don't know, Dylan Brooks an extra $3 million for a month-long tournament or whatever, right? So um, that's what I'm curious to see is uh, when is the tournament, what does it stand for, what does it mean, and, and how do you make that compelling for the fans? And, and maybe I'm just old, but, you know, for me it's got to have it's got to have a serious competitive um, stake in order to be uh, meaningful and valuable. Well, Trey, we always appreciate it, man. It's good catching up. Looking forward to getting out there a bunch and uh, enjoying the season. The home season kicks off tomorrow. Uh, but, again, can't thank you enough. Uh, best way to get tickets, just go to the website? Yeah, rsl.com, or you can call 844-REAL-TIX, R-E-A-L-T-I-X, uh, there's some standing room tickets left, obviously, uh, bundle up because it's going to be a little chilly tomorrow, but hopefully it's dry. Um, as you guys may have seen, we do have a big club announcement at 5 o'clock tomorrow, so if you want to come early, you can come uh, witness the growth of the club. We're bringing, we're bringing uh, a soccer team that called home here uh, back. That's all I can say right now, but <laughs> exciting times for, for more soccer in Utah and more Utah across uh, national and international sporting landscapes. And uh, these are just exciting times under Ryan and David. And, and I can't wait to, uh, to you know, have you guys on board again like we do and uh, have you guys get to know our coaches and players. Everybody's got so many great stories that brought them to our community, and, and they really do fall in love with it as soon as they're here. So uh, going to be a great year here at uh, America First Field. <laughs> Hey, before we let you go, by the way, you and I need to talk about one thing, though. Sean Payton, let's go. I mean, if he can fix Russell Wilson, then he deserves all the money and all the draft picks in the world. I, I guess I, I didn't love the idea of giving up more draft assets uh, after bankrupting ourselves a year ago. Well, he's already put the hammer down saying, I'm not going to put up with any crap. He's kicked out all the employees that Russell had staffed right there in their own <laughs> offices and said, yeah, if he's not if he's not the one, then he's not the one. We'll just move on then, from him. Yeah. But the thing is, if he can't do it, nobody's going to fix it. So. Well, that's a good point. I mean, I was just going to ask you, do you guys think Russ is fixable? Yes. Yes. No. Okay. Uh, Lloyd, Lloyd stop it, Lloyd. Yes. They're leaving. The Broncos fans are bailing. <laughs> 
Lloyd had had enough. It's 9-9. They're like, the heck with it. I'm- Lloyd. Oh, man. Sorry, Trey, we don't have the buttons love, back there. <laughs> how much I love teasing, teasing Lloyd and his uh, just doomed franchise. So, whatever. Who would you rather have on as your quarterback, Jarrett Stidham or Russell Wilson right now? Wow. Wow. <laughs> Lamar Jackson? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Trey. We appreciate it. Thanks, All Trey. Right. All right, guys. Great catching up. Thank you. You too. The great Trey Fitzgerald with Real Salt Lake right here on 97.5, the EKSL Sports Zone. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.